And now, race fans, for the most famous words in motorsports, the star of Universal Pictures movie, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, Kevin James. I just got three things to say. God bless our troops. God bless America. And gentlemen, start your engine! All right, and welcome into another episode of the Upspeed Podcast. Tyler Head, Dalton Molinax with you as always. The regular season has finally concluded after a weekend at Daytona International Speedway. And I feel like anytime we talk about super speedways, whether it's Daytona or Talladega, now Atlanta too, we always talk about it being wild to some degree because it usually always is. What we saw this weekend at at Daytona took the definition of wild way higher than I think we've ever seen. And uh, man, we have a lot to talk about today. As I say, we've we've got just as much on the track stuff to talk about as we do off the track. It was a huge news week, not only leading into the race, but after it as well. And that's kind of where we got to start because the news prior to the weekend is what set the stage for the weekend and all the chaos that we saw. It was either Wednesday or Thursday of last week where Kurt Busch officially, you know, re- renounced his playoff waiver, you know, because uh, we don't know when he's going to come back, still dealing with the concussion stuff. And, you know, it seems like at this point it's up to the doctors to say, okay, you're cleared to race, you're not to race. It's not, you know, I think what we may have thought for a long time, like, oh, Kurt's just going to wait until the playoffs start. You know, no sense in going out there at Daytona and getting yourself hurt again or whatever. He's still not cleared to race. And here's the thing. He could have held on to that playoff spot as long as he wanted to and said, you know what? I think I can come back for Bristol and, I'll, you know, go or go home, win or nothing, uh, comeback race. And if he, because he earned that spot, he won a race, he earned the spot. He's got the waiver if he wanted to keep it. But he took the initiative, the team, him, whoever was involved in this decision to step back and say, hey, you know, we don't know when he's going to come back. Let's go ahead and give this playoff spot to somebody that's going to want, going to be able to race for this championship, which means when we uh, talked last week, we thought we had one spot up for grabs. Kurt Busch moves out of the playoffs. We suddenly had two spots up for grabs, which completely changed the whole dynamic and drama surrounding this final race on Saturday. Yeah, I thought it was such a veteran move of him. You know, a, a guy that I feel like anyway, the older he gets, the more likable right. he is. The more, you know, I feel like he, not only does, I mean, I feel like he respects the sport. I think he just understands it. Right. And and like you said, that, that could have been, you know, he could have come back from Bristol and said, well, I got one shot at it, boys. We'll see what happens. But I think he just has too much respect for the sport and the other drivers that he competes against to, to, and he knows his body. He knows he's not, you know, ready to go. And um, good on him for for recognizing that. Right. So again, that changed the dynamic going into the weekend because now both Ryan Blaney and Martin Truex were filling those final two spots. But of course, somebody else outside of the top uh, uh, sixteen was able to win a race. They would take one of those spots. So we knew one guy was getting in on points, which meant that. Both Blaney and Trex were kind of points racing, but kind of not points racing. And at the beginning of the race, Trex was points racing, but Blaney wasn't. And then at the end, Blaney was try was basically points racing because he was six laps down. And Trex was trying his best to get to the front. And it ended up going in Blaney's favor because he barely got in. But both these guys had horrendous days getting caught up in multiple accidents, you know, ultimately both running at the end of the race. But they kept the drama of this going until the very end. 
Yeah, I mean, literally the last lap, I mean, NBC's coverage of, of and, and we don't know how Fox would cover it, but I could assume it wouldn't be as good as NBC. Um, I love when they have the, like, the multi-box on there where you're watching the, you know, the battle. And um, when Truex lost that lead, I mean, at the end, we only had a handful of cars that were, that were good enough to run towards the front. Um, you know, so it was one of those that once Truex lost that, then you're like, oh, crap, where's Blaney? You know, who's he going to? Who's he going to get by? And then Cole Custer, he has an issue. That's that's multiple laps. And um, it's just, it was crazy watching the numbers flip. And like you said, I mean, going into the race, you know, they knew that, look, as long as we don't have a first-time winner, mm-hmm. we're going to get in. This is great. But then the old number three shows up and just changes everything. I was going to say, did you, in your wildest dreams, would you have expected that Trix was actually held out of the playoffs by Landon Castle uh, Cole, uh, not Cole Custer, Cody Ware, and BJ McLeod passing him at the very end of the race. I mean, it's just, I, it's, I still don't think it's set in that he's not in the playoffs. Yep. He's been such a model of consistency for the past probably five years. It hasn't been the greatest season for him this year, obviously, he missed the playoffs. Yeah. But look, he's, He's still going to be a guy that every week when you go to the track has got a chance to win. And I, I think that's when you're going to realize it is when he's, you know, say he goes to Bristol and wins or he wins his weekend at Darlington. Right. You're, what could have been. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy that ever since uh, he made this first final four in 2015, he's been in it almost every single year since then, which is a wild stat. And again, now he doesn't even get the chance to race for point to race for it. Not to mention the fact that he's, solidly in the top five in points overall and technically earned playoff points for his finish in the regular season standings that are worth absolutely nothing now yeah it's crazy yeah uh like you said because we had a new winner austin dylan that bumped Trex out that means blaney was the only one to get in on points and austin dylan might be the luckiest driver alive with the the four cup series wins he has have I, I don't want to say they've all fallen to his lap this easily but the one on sunday it maybe it was divine intervention because it seemed like the three car was destined to win that race yeah well i mean he went from what 13 14 15 place and that huge wreck where it started raining and next thing you know he's out front i think he was like 17th when that wreck started even and better he, he somehow because like, literally the entire field wreck and he yeah. was like the only one that skated through without any damage. That one of the most unbelievable things I've ever seen in my time as an NASCAR fan. Yeah. Yeah. Just crazy. I mean, it, and props to Tyler Reddick. Cause he was how, how funny would it have been if Reddick decided to pass him on that last lap? Yeah. And, and for, for all the, how loyal is Reddick to RCR, how, Loyal's RCR to Reddick. I think that tells you that I think both parties are, are professional about this really bad breakup that's going to occur over the next, you know, 18 months or so. Um, so, I mean, I, I thought it was a good thing to see. Um, look, I think Tyler Reddick can go out and win a championship. Yep. I did. Um, and I think that this past weekend really showed that, that there's still that partnership, that they're still a team. Yeah. Well, and, you know, 
obviously Tyler Reddick was doing what was in the best interest of him by signing with 2311 Racing, but you know he understands that he probably ruffled a few feathers. And he said, look, once I got behind Austin Dillon, it was completely one focus, and that was uh, to push him to the win, you know, basically playing defense to anybody that was going to mount a run to him in those last couple laps. Um, so, yeah, I don't think we saw both the RCR cars getting into the playoffs this year, but uh, here we are. And this is something I sent you the other day that I was surprised Austin Dillon's actually not having that bad of a season. He's running fairly consistently. He and Tyler Reddick have almost the exact same average finish. He's just not obviously had the amount of wins that Tyler Reddick or led the amount of laps. But Austin Dillon has consistently found his way into the top 10, despite maybe not having one, a top 10 car on a week-in, week-out basis. Yeah, I, I mean, it's crazy. Like you said, until you sent me those numbers, I had no idea he actually had probably a year to this point for him. Yeah. You know, and, and again, he hadn't won and it he hadn't necessarily had race winning speed every week, but nonetheless, he's had solid numbers. Yeah. And I look at, you know, the last time that he was in the playoffs in 2020, he went out there and had a fantastic first round finishing second at both uh, Darlington and Richmond, I believe. Um, and, you know, and again, when he won that Texas race that year, they're like, oh, he's going to get eliminated in the first round, writing this guy off. And he ended up advancing anyway. So, uh you know, and I think a lot of that this year goes back to, um, you know, how well Chevys are running in general, how much RCRs had an advantage by being with this next gen car, basically since it was incept its inception in 2019 with the development and stuff like that. I think that's paying dividends. Do I think that I think uh, Austin Dillon is going to make it to the round of eight? Probably not, but I'm not going to be surprised if he's solidly in the round of 12 and at least making noise and getting an opportunity. Hey, the Talladega is in the, you know, the round of 12. So he very well yeah. go out there and win that one too. Yeah. Survive the first round and go for a couple wild cards in the second round. Yeah. Um, on to Ryan Blaney now. What a, what a crazy season for him. Um, has shown race winning speed so many times, hasn't been able to, to get the deal done. It really looked like he was out of it on Sunday after getting caught up in that wreck. I, he's so lucky that that, that his steering was straight after basically getting the right front taken off the car. And we've, we've seen even the slightest contact with the wall or another car, you know, knocks toe links out, completely screws up the steering. Somehow Ryan Blaney's car was able to continue and he limped that thing around. And again, was assisted by a couple cars getting past Truex in those last couple laps, but he skated into the playoffs by the skin of his teeth. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's the thing is just look, all you want's a chance. And now, and now you've got it. And that's the thing with him is like, I think he's a driver that could go far in the playoffs. Right. Um, and by virtue of his finish in the regular season standings, he, let's see here, where is he seated at? He's seated seventh. And he's got a, what, six-point advantage over the cutoff right now. So, I mean, not too terribly bad for somebody that hasn't won a race this entire year. Right. And another stat that kind of blew my mind, uh, going back to Trix, he leads the series in a stage in a stage wins this year yeah. with seven. Yeah. And again, uh, what he finished, I think fourth or fifth on the regular season standing. So he was in line to earn another six or seven playoff points right there. Yeah. All for, for, for nothing. All for nothing. Um, that's crazy. It's been such a great season of parody that, you know, we we hope this is we hope this is what the next gen car would do. Is it going to do it next year and years? You know, into the future, maybe, maybe not. Um, but it's definitely delivered because we did officially hit sixteen winners 
in 26 races, just one had to obviously remove himself. Um, and Ryan Blaney benefited from that. Yep. So outside of the playoff drama, the rain, oh my goodness. Uh, torrential downpour on Saturday. This race didn't have a chance at running then. I told you I turned on my TV Saturday night. The first thing I saw was Rutledge. I knew we weren't racing. Uh, yeah. That was a bad omen to me. Um, I give props to NASCAR, though, for going for this 10 a.m. start on Sunday um, because that gave you the best opportunity to run this race when you knew showers are going to be popping up throughout the day. Um, and even with the, what, three-and-a-half-hour delay, this race still wrapped up by, like, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, and that's the thing. I, I do commend NASCAR because I, I, I for sure thought when that rain came, I thought that was it. Yeah. I thought, I mean, because it mainly just because that's the way the guys in the booth were talking. Mm-hmm. So I figured I had some kind of inside knowledge of um, of what was to come. But yeah, I, I commend NASCAR for for sticking around and and running the race to its full duration. And look, Austin Dillon was leading at the um, the rain delay. He ended up winning at the end. So do we need to run all those laps? I guess not. But one guy that's happy about it. Ryan Blaney. Yes, because he was on the outside looking in. Had the race been stopped with what yeah. I guess like twenty three to go or something. Yeah. Now, typically, you know, because of course, once the race gets to halfway uh, or this in the second stage, whatever comes first, it's an official race. Have NASCAR calls it. You know, they're in the clear. They don't have to run the rest of the laps. Order by the points that are on whatever lap they're on and be done with it. This was a unique circumstance, though, because the way we went to that red flag was such a a bad look for nascar i understand why they waited three and a half hours to run those final 23 very uneventful laps because there was what like 12 cars that could keep up with the lead pack at a given time it it looked like an arca race basically those last 20 some odd laps Uh, i wasn't very good racing they were just all running single file and outside of uh Austin Dillon punting Austin Sindrick out of the way. Not much really happened, but that's better than all of the highlights and memes that would have come from, look how this NASCAR race in an entire field runs into a rainstorm. Austin Dillon squeaks by from 17th place. And this is how their regular season ends. Yeah, it would have been, it'd been the front page of literally every sports network of ha ha. Look how big of a joke NASCAR is. Yeah. And I'm a little bit, with what happened with that wreck, going into turn one, where the field ran, like the rain hit right then, the field ran into it, and you saw it was Justin Haley, and I forget who was on the bottom, just completely turned to the left, the weirdest looking thing. Everybody piles in, you know, we knew they'd obviously hit something wet. Um, Part of me is like, I feel like NASCAR couldn't have done anything, but another part of me is like, maybe they could have, and I've heard, I've heard, a lot of both sides, what NASCAR should have done, what NASCAR shouldn't have done. Uh, but what is it? Scott Miller came on the TV broadcast and said, look, I don't think there's anything we could have done here. Um, I don't know. It's it's a tough position to be in. I'll just say I'm really glad that's not how the race ended. Yeah, I, I mean, look, they're in a tough spot and the track's so big, you can't have an official at every single inch of the track. And, you know, you try to do the best you can. It was unfortunate that it started raining from the time they went through turn one to the next lap where everybody wrecked. Yeah. You know, you, you do the best you can. They want to try to get as much racing in as possible. I hate it tore up a bunch of cars, but at the end of the day, it's just, 
a decision that it's tough to make. And we hear about it all the time at a big at a big track like Daytona. It can be bright and sunny in three and four, and it can be pouring rain in one and two. So, um, and I know there was that video of the fan that was like in the trioval screaming, "It's raining! It's raining!" Well, they came through the trioval without any problem. It was when they got to turn one that's where the issue came. So again, it's just kind of a fine line. Like, are you going to th- start throwing cautions the second you feel a raindrop because you know that maybe that's a little bit extreme, but at the same time, you don't want to tear up. And I think just not Mark's estimated it was like $4 million worth of damage in that one wreck alone. You also don't want to tear up your field. So I just hope NASCAR learns from this. I don't know what the procedure should be going forward, but I feel like something positive should come from this, analyzing the situation, thinking about maybe what they could have done better. Yeah. Just learn from it and move on. Yeah. I mean, that's all you can do. Yeah. Um, I just hate and we've talked about start times so much. I hate how many big races have been impacted by rain this year, particularly on the NBC side of things. I mean, you look at the first race at Nashville, their kickoff race, you know, we ended up running that thing till 1030 that night because of the rain delays. Uh, just last week, Kimi Raikkonen uh, at Watkins Glen and all this international interest and in that race is delayed, you know, an hour and a half or so. And then this big race that we've been building up to for months and months and months, um, you know, ends up running on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Like NASCAR just can't catch a break. And some of it's on them and the TV networks are starting these races later. But man, you just really hate that these big potential ratings races are getting moved from their regular start times. It's part of it, unfortunately, you know, and you just got to live with it. And um, at the end of the day, that's just part of it. Yeah. And I do think, you know, with, them running the race on CNBC on Sunday at 10 a.m., that allowed them the flexibility to basically take up the entire day. And they never broke away from the rain delay coverage. They showed, you know, basically the first half of the race over again at one point. But what's on CNBC on a Sunday afternoon besides pre-recorded shows and infomercials? Like, they had the full day if they wanted. If they wanted to race to 10 o'clock that night, they very well could have done it. Um, so while the ratings definitely took a hit and I think they were down like 60, 70% from last year or something like that, which is to be expected, of course. Um, you know, again, at least they did what they could to get the entire race in. I agree. So now we're off to the playoffs, Darlington this weekend, followed by Kansas. And then the uh, actual race at Bristol, we don't count the Bristol dirt race, of course, uh, (laughs) culminating in this first round. And when uh, you look at, as I mentioned earlier, Martin Shrex Jr. having the um, seven uh, stage wins being the most this year, of course, he doesn't get any of those playoff points. We've got a really, really tight field to start these playoffs. I look at from in down in 16th with Austin Dillon at 2,005 points, all the way up to third in points, Ross Chastain, only separated by 15 points. Yeah. That is, can be turned on its head in a single stage at Darlington, you know, through a round of pit stops at Kansas, through one wreck at Bristol, like these. And, you know, I think Chase Elliott, it, who's got his, you know, uh, what, 30 some odd point advantage over the cut line. He's not safe necessarily, but he's comfortable, more comfortable than everybody else's in this first round. But these guys from like third to 16th, I think it's going to be a pretty mixed bag. And I think we might have a surprise or two get eliminated in this first round. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like you said, it's it's one mistake at this point can cost you. Yep. Um, so at the start of the playoffs, uh, of course, four drivers going to get eliminated after Bristol. As of right now, it is Daniel Suarez, Austin Sendrick, 
Alex Bowman and Austin Dillon on the outside looking in. Suarez currently below the cut line only by two points and Austin Dillon back in 16th only below the cut line by four. The uh, last driver in currently is Chase Briscoe. Yeah. I mean, I, if we want to go ahead and do eliminations, we can. Mm-hmm. I'm going to move Austin Dillon. Okay. Okay. I'm going to remove Austin Sendrick. Okay. Daniel Suarez. Okay. And Chase Briscoe. Okay. Um, pretty solid there. Uh, I'm going to agree with you on – I agree with you on, let's see. I'll agree with you on three of those. I okay. will swap. I'm going to swap here. I'll go Austin Sendrick. I'll go Alex Bowman. I'll agree with you on two of those. I'll go Chase Briscoe. And like I said, I feel like we're going to get a surprise elimination in this first round. I'm going to go with Kyle Busch because. Really? Huh? Really? I, I think so. And again, with how close these points are, and I look back to like what happened to, to Kyle Busch at the spring race at Darlington, you crash out you're really going to be really far behind. Yeah. He does not have a lot of playoff points to fall back on. So I think now he's runs, he's going to run decently everywhere, but I think the lack of playoff points is going to come back to bite him. So I'm going to go out on limb. I have a big lead. I can take a risk. Yeah, um, I'm going to, I'm going to put Kyle Bush on the outside in round one. All right. Not to mention the fact that he's still dealing with this whole, where is he going to go next year? That's certainly going to be a distraction. Mm-hmm. So that's my bold prediction for the first round of the playoffs. Gotcha. Which I'll probably be wrong, but we'll see. Never know. Uh, on the Xfinity series, they raced on uh, technically Friday and Saturday, I guess, because the race started really, really late. Um, again, another race just completely affected by rain. I thought we were going to be talking about Jeremy Clements racing his way into the playoffs by winning a uh, chaotic three overtime race on saturday morning uh then we got the news earlier today that he had an illegal intake manifold and while he still keeps the win and i didn't even know we were still doing it this way he loses his spot in the playoffs yeah yeah i i thought we completely got rid of all that but apparently not yeah it's a bummer i mean because such a fun win a a good story mm-hmm. small getting the playoffs and then now it's like w- well no you're not not so fast yeah. and so and i'm looking at the playoff standings prior to him being bumped out of it because he was 16th in points so he left all the way up into what would have been 12th in the standings there so now with clements being knocked out that puts ryan sieg back into the playoffs who currently has a do some quick math here 43-point advantage over Sheldon Creed for that final playoff spot. Yeah. Um, and when you look at the next couple of races, the Xfinity Series has how many more races to go until their playoffs? Uh, three races to go before their playoffs, which is, what, Darlington, uh, Bristol, and then I guess Texas will be their cutoff race. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't really – outside of, like, fuel mileage or a range-shortened race, I really don't see a surprise winner there. I think the winners are going to come from 
the guys that are already locked in. So it's essentially, I think, going to be a battle between Ryan Sieg and uh, uh, Sheldon Creed for getting that final playoff spot in the Xfinity Series. Yeah, I agree. But the Xfinity Series on Friday night, and maybe it was the threat of rain. I don't know. This was a solid race, the first mm-hmm. half. And everybody, you know, good competitive race. And then everybody just lost their mind in the final stage. I, I don't even I don't even know how to explain all the chaos. Yeah, I, it, it, it got to a point where I was like, just end it. I don't care who wins. Let's just see the white flag and get this thing over with. Let me pull up my tweet that I had. Okay. Um, after it was like, Which, I want to for those listening i had to work the next morning so i didn't get to stay up until 1 30 or 2 or whenever this race ended so on saturday morning i checked the results and i see okay jeremy clements won this race timmy hills in second i assume it was probably a chaotic ending well it was so at um 102 in the morning uh-huh. one of the uh the big one i quote tweeted nascar on nbc and i was like Fellas, it is 1 a.m. Please just end this. Like, I was ready to go to bed. I was not interested in, in seeing everybody wreck. Right. And I, I love super speedway racing. I hate when they turn into these wreck fests at the end. I thoroughly enjoyed the Talladega race, the cup race in the spring, where we had like a, was it a 40-lap run to the checkers or something like that? That's mm-hmm. what I like to see out of plate racing because, and especially – you know, with this winning you're in type of system, these guys just get stupid in these late race restarts because you have a guy that's restarting seventh that knows his only chance to get in the playoffs is to go to the front. So he's going to run through whoever he needs to run through to get up there. And then it just creates restart after restart after restart. And I think you told me that the last 13 laps took like an hour to run or something like that. It was stupid. I mean, because even my mom who is, who is um watching it with me she's i mean she knows enough about nascar i mean she goes to a few races he was like do they usually wreck this much and then and then after that wreck when i tweeted it she was like you know what i'm just gonna go to bed yeah it's annoying i was like i i agree i don't blame you and that to me is what and I've, I've tried thinking about this. Like, at what point did we start discrediting wins on super speedways? Because that's what everybody says now. Is, uh, you want a super speedway, that doesn't mean anything. It's the draft, you survive wrecks, blah, 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 blah. But when you look just the sheer amount of cars that we tear up at these races, I saw somebody was putting out the stats in the last 10 years, like an average of 25 or 30 cars get torn up at the July Daytona race, now the August Daytona race. Um, and that's just absurd to me. Like, I wish these races not not tamer from a sense of an on-track standpoint, but I wish it was a little bit cleaner. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hate seeing them wreck. I mean, not only from the fact that drivers can get hurt, but just I just hate seeing them tear up a bunch of equipment. Yeah. Well, speaking of drivers getting hurt, that wreck uh, into the rain on Sunday, there was a lot of onboard footage, and there was a lot of conversation coming away from that. Those guys took some pretty nasty licks, and you know, in particular, Bubba Wallace, who really yeah. just got ran into the back of, particularly said that's one of the hardest hits he's ever had on something that's usually not a, a jarring move on the racetrack. Well, and like he said, like I never thought that I'd, you know, lose my breath for a second being hit in the rear end. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's just that has been an issue with this car. And I hope that in the off season, NASCAR really works to figure out how we can make these cars safer and, and less 
you know, force on the driver when they get hit. Right. That's something that I'm interested to see how it goes in the playoffs because we've seen a lot of guys take some really hard hits this season. When you look at Kurt Busch, some of that took quite a few before his Pocono wreck. You know, what mm-hmm. happens if we get to Talladega and somebody that's, you know, on that playoff cut line ends up sitting out with concussion? Then suddenly we're talking about guys getting eliminated without even racing because they're having to sit out for medical reasons. I hope that doesn't happen, but it's one of those scenarios that's creeping up in my mind, especially after everything we saw Saturday or, or Sunday at Daytona. Yeah, I mean, you definitely got to keep it in the back of your mind for sure. Yeah, so it'd be interesting to see how that goes out. A uh, little bit of news to talk about from the weekend. A lot of uh, silly season stuff happening. Joe Logano signs an extension with Penske Racing, so both he and Ryan Blaney have extended with Penske. And that, to me, is just you – know, while Ford is having a down year, they're going to turn it around at some point. And knowing that your top two drivers um, are here for the long run, uh, I think helps out the team as a whole. Yep, I agree. Uh, Daniel Suarez announced an extension with twenty with uh, Trackhouse Racing through next year. Now, and I like I like what I heard from him on this. He's only doing this because the new TV rights deals are coming up in 2024, which he knows, and this is smart on him, that he can get more value for another contract if he holds off by signing this one-year extension now. I'm interested to see how many other drivers are looking at this new contract thing uh, when discussing their new contracts. Well, that was that – was, I actually saw somebody responding to – I think Bob Pockers tweeted the video of him saying that or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I was – in the comments saying this would be a perfect opportunity for Kyle Bush mm-hmm. your deal. And then if you think you're worth X amount of dollars, go back and get it the next year. Right. Uh, the long debate on what's going to happen with Eric Almarola has finally come to an end as he did confirm that he would be back um, through uh, it or through 2024. He signed a multi-year agreement and uh, Smithfield, um, announced that they were going to be around uh, as well. So that takes a, a, a free a free ride off the free agent market and uh, creates a little bit of interest with Stuart Haas Racing because I think we all expected at first Ryan Priest to take over the 10 cars. So what happens with him? And I think this officially closes the door on any chance of Kyle Busch going there now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 and then you look around, where's Kyle going to go? Yeah. I mean, you know, it just, it's interesting. Uh, everything that I'm hearing is pointing to college racing. That'd be a huge sign for them. It would be. Um, and that's a program that's not, I don't, they're not far off. They're coming along. Like their first year full-time cup series team. Like there's going to be some growing pains, obviously, but you know, you look at how that car, that car runs solidly, not great, but solidly. And I think putting Kyle Busch in, getting him back affiliated with, you know, Hendrick Motors and Chevrolet and all that stuff, I think he could definitely take that team to the next level. I agree. It would certainly help out Justin Haley. Mm-hmm. Um, what's old is new again. Craftsman Mac is the official sponsor of the Truck Series after Camping World departs at the end of this year. Uh, it's cool with me. Uh, that's what I grew up on, the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. It would be cool to uh, have that title sponsor back. Yeah. Now, if only we can get Grand National added to the Xfinity Series, I'd be really happy with that. We, we'd be back in the old ages at that yeah. point. Don't think Winston's going to come back as a title sponsor for the Cup Series, though. That probably, one's not, probably that one's not, not 
happen. Yeah, I wouldn't hold my breath on that one. I wouldn't either. Speaking of the truck series, Zane Smith is going to come back with uh, front row motorsports for next year. Obviously, he's had the best season of anybody in the truck series. Also going to be running some cup series races, um, starting with the Daytona 500 next year. We saw what he did in his one cup start at Gateway, filling in for Chris Buescher. And this, to me, is... I'm interested to see how front row grows because when you look, you know, right now they have Todd Gilland, who's been running pretty well these past couple of weeks, particularly at the road courses. You know, you have the veteran Michael McDowell. Ford's having a down year, but I'm interested to see how much more Ford puts into this team as a guy like Zane Smith continues to climb through the ranks, assuming maybe in two or three years he ends up taking over for a McDowell should he choose to retire. Exactly. I mean, he's a talent you've got to keep in your pipeline. Yeah. I mean, he's really the only Ford development talent there is. Yeah. So if he doesn't go to, you know, front row or something like that, maybe he's the one that takes over for Harvick or Keselowski or something in a few years. But yeah, if I'm Ford, I have a white knuckle death grip on this kid, not letting him go. Mm -hmm. Well, and they did announce it's a multi-year extension. Yes. So, so they, they've locked him down for a few years. And it makes you wonder, like, is, are they going to jump in the Xfinity series? Maybe does he go to the 98 car, you know, in 2024 or something like that? There's a lot of a lot of potential here, but uh, good on front row for uh, holding on to him because that guy, he's a, he's a very, very special talent. Yep. Last bit of silly season news. Greg Ives announced that he is going to step away. Me and Crew Chief at the end of the season, it's been a very, very rough year for him and Alex Bowman. Of course, they had four wins last year. Greg Ives has had a moderate amount of success ever since taking over as Dale Jr.'s crew chief back in 2015. Personally, he's never really been a favorite of mine. But, uh, I mean, nonetheless, solid career for the close to a decade that he's been up in the Cup Series. He's not going away completely. He's still going to be in-house at Hendrick Motorsports, but more of a, a kind of a nine-to-five job where he can still you know, go home and spend time with the wife and kids. Yeah. Well, and I mean, we've, we've seen several crew chiefs do it in the past few years with Chad Canals, Todd Gordon, Cole Pern. You know, these guys just realizing there's more to life than being on the road all the time with NASCAR. So, And to me, it makes me wonder, you know, with this season in particular, learning this entirely new car, how much more time these crew chiefs having to put in, learning the nuances and figuring out tricks for this completely new thing that was thrust upon them this year. Well, I mean, I, I follow Rodney Childers on Instagram and mm -hmm. sometimes he'll like update when he's at the shop or whatever. And it's like, it's early mornings and late nights and it's not like blue moon. He does it multiple times. So I, I'm sure it's a lot. Absolutely. So move on to Darlington and the beginning of the Cup Series playoffs as the Xfinity Series winds down to their playoffs here in a couple weeks. Southern 500, which... I love the fact that we start the class with the Southern 500. It's a big deal. It's crown jewel race. I think that when you, you have this momentum coming out of Daytona, then you go to another big race at a very technical worn out track like Darlington. We saw a thrilling race back there in the spring coming down to Logano and William Byron. I think under the lights under the summer heat in South Carolina is going to produce a very good show. Probably going to be a pretty late night. Cause I feel like there's going to be a lot of cautions like we saw in the spring. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think that it's going to be an, an epic weekend. You know, you want to just continue to roll with the momentum, and um, we'll see what happens. Starting off on Saturday with the Xfinity Series race, 200 miles. 
around Darlington. Might have to watch this one on replay because it's on the same time as the Georgia game. But who picks up the victory in the Xfinity series? He's the guy that rides high, wide, and handsome all the time. Noah Gregson's going to rip the wall and, and win in Darlington. Yeah, I mean, Junior Motorsports has been all over these technical tracks this year, having a fantastic season. I'm going to stay in the Junior Motorsports camp. I think another driver that's very good at these technical type of tracks, I think back to his great battle with Justin Allgaier at Charlotte earlier this year. I'm going to go with Josh Berry to pick up the win. Yep. On the Cup Series Sunday, the Southern 500 kicking off the playoffs. This was, uh, again, like I said, a very good race back there in the spring. It, it's been a, a good race ever since it's been in the playoffs. So who, uh, who gets things started off and potentially punches their ticket to the round of 12 on Sunday? Well, he, he comes in as the regular season champion, and I think he kind of really puts the stamp on, I'm not here to mess around. I think Chase Elliott wins this weekend. Well, I will go with his in-house adversary, somebody that is very, very good at Darlington, that has had several wins slip through his fingertips there. Uh, maybe it comes down to the both of them. We get a little bit of a, a, a follow-up to what happened at Watkins Glen a couple weeks ago. I'll go with Kyle Larson. Potentially. So... So excited the playoffs are here. We've talked about this before. Is it the best way to decide a champion? No, it's not. Is it fun? Is it entertaining? Absolutely. Yeah. So excited for that. Also very excited uh, to be on Thursday night, the NASCAR docuseries coming to USA race for the championship. I think look, the commercials look really, really good. You know, it's got that drive to survive type of feel to it. Like uh, F1 has on Netflix. I'm interested to check it out on Thursday. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how it goes. And look, it may be something that's super successful. They try doing every year now. We'll see. Hopefully so. Back next week to break down all things Darlington and look ahead to Kansas. Thanks so much for listening to that Street Podcast. We'll catch you next time.